we call it the top five. So you're going to pick top five projects that you're going to work on. You're going to use steps of delegation. You're going to use meetings and you're going to mock up your calendar because you only have so much time. She's grown trades businesses from small independent plumbing businesses to $100 million a year national franchises. When it comes to getting it done and making things happen, there's few better people I know than Ellen Rohr. But she says, truthfully, she really doesn't even do that much. In this episode, we hear her tips on planning and business strategy, and towards the end, her rule of thumb for how much cash to keep on hand. If you have any questions or want further insight into something we discussed after listening to this, head on over to the Contractor Momentum Lounge. That's our Facebook group and drop a new post. Now let's jump into it. Ellen, I was scrolling through my Facebook feed a couple weeks back and I seen a farm that was for sale. It was in Missouri and I'm like, this has to be Ellen Roar. So I went back up a little bit. Yes, it was you. <laughs> Your farm in Missouri was for sale. The farm that came with the farmer. What are you going, what do you got going on here? Why are you selling this farm in Missouri? Because I might be the buyer. You're so <laughs> sweet because I really appreciate the advertising. Yep, my farm is for sale. You know, once upon a time we moved out here 25 years ago and my parents moved out and I had a kid and I still have a kid, but he's 35 with his own kid, lives in Virginia. And my mom is in assisted living and absolutely the queen of everything. So I really, it's just me and my husband and we're thinking we'll move back to Utah. We like to ski and camp and go out into the, the desert. I was born in Utah. I'm a Utahan. Okay. So where are you from in Utah? I wasn't from Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. Okay. Yeah. Are you familiar with Utah? Not Salt Lake City. This past summer, I went to, well, went out to the southern part down there around St. George, Zion, Bryce Canyon. I loved it. Change your life? It, it was pretty life-changing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've been very fortunate that I can kind of travel around and I like doing mountain biking and trail running, you know, two hobbies, I guess it would, you'd almost say are obscure for somebody that was born and raised in Florida. But that's what I love doing. That's and, why you uh, got to travel. Yeah. You know, I've been, I've been fortunate enough that I can travel. So I was down there in the St. George, Zion area. I'm guessing, have you ever been to Zion? I'm guessing you have if you're from Utah. I haven't been to Zion, but I did run the St. George Marathon twice. What? I didn't know you were a runner. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an, I'm an ultra marathoner. Really? Okay. And two, that's like winning an Oscar. You can always introduce yourself as an ultra marathoner if you've ever done one. And that is technically anything longer than a marathon. And I've done two 50Ks. Nice. And they were awesome. They were awesome. So besides from business advice, I'm going to have to come to you for training and running advice. Just keep running. <laughs> Just put one leg in front of the other. Do it a little yes. bit faster and go a little like, bit further. You'll do all right. Do you listen to like extreme athletes on podcasts? No, I, I don't. I can't oh, say Oh, they're that my jam. They really? are my jam. Yeah, because they'll, have, they'll do like a marathon for a warm-up every morning. Oh, wow. So just such intense people that they make anything you're doing in life just seem, oh, get over yourself. Go do it. Yeah, mediocre. Now, I like listening to extreme. I love extreme people. So yeah. No, I'm so, glad you're, to so, so, you're, so you're moving back to Utah. Yes. So that's oh, okay. the big plan to move back to Utah. So moving from Missouri to Utah, going to uh -huh. buy a farm in Utah? No, I want something smaller. I yeah. love the farm and especially under, you know, we've been home for a while. My garden looks amazing, but it's a lot of work. It and is. I would like to go out into the mountains more. You know, I used to be a professional skier. That was one of my million jobs. I didn't, I didn't know that either. And a ski instructor and I love to ski and it's something you can do as you get older because that's me. <laughs> so no, it's like, you know, there's just chapters in life and it's yeah. time for a new one. And my career is so awesome that I can do it from anywhere. I like to travel. I'll be closer to a better airport in yeah. Salt Lake. So that's the game plan. 
Very, very nice. I'm, I'm mildly jealous of you. Come visit me in Utah. I, I will certainly come visit you. There's all sorts of good races out there. So there's, there I know go. there's all sorts of good races, good mountain biking. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you, you need to add me to the guest list already because I'll be coming okay. out there to visit you guys. So Done. it's been a year and a half since we had you on the podcast, at least a year and a half since we recorded it because it was you know probably several months after we recorded that the podcast was actually here. So let's just say, I would say, well, it's been a year and a half actually since we aired it, over a year and a half since we recorded you know, Zoom Drain, what was Zoom Drain like a year and a half ago? What is it like now? How many franchisees did you guys have back then? How many do you have now? Well, we have not never in, intended to be the fastest growing. I was very concerned and I sold my partner on this idea. Let's just slow our roll a bit. Let's get really great people on board. Let's help them get good. Because if we do that, our sales process could literally morph into look at them. Want one? You know, that's like the ideas. I just wanted to make it a self-evident opportunity. And so we've been very selective about the people we've brought on board and I love them. I made a vow that I never wanted to look at my phone and have it blow up and me go, oh. Yeah, I know that feeling. And then I'm just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm too old for that. So I love every one of my franchisees. I couldn't have spread them out more. They're from Seattle, Northern California, Southern California, Utah, Omaha, a couple in Chicago, women in Chicago, girl power, Maine, Florida, and a bunch in the, in the Northeast. So we really are spread out everywhere. The biggest one and my partners, so there's 18 locations total, and Jim is one of my partners, Al Levy is another, and we've got the Model Center in Philadelphia. And that's where my home base is. If I do travel to go to HQ, you know, that's where I'll go. But, you know, it's just amazing. I'm really feeling the momentum and the traction of the team that we have. You know, you knock on wood. There, things can happen, and they have. The, I would say that the lessons I've learned philosophically the last couple of years are moving faster. I've always been very comfortable with me, you know, um, letting myself off the hook to learn a lesson. I was not the fastest learner. You know, even when I learned to raise my prices with my great mentor, it took me like two years to actually do it. Yeah, I get it. And sometimes you've got to stumble and find your own way. And even as a coach, I've been very light hand on the reins. But what I'm realizing is that life is moving so fast anymore that you want to eliminate the forays into something that could spell disaster. So don't waste time on things that don't matter move in the direction of what you really, really want and be willing to say no that, that, to that which doesn't align. So speed to concept is, is it obsessing me personally. And then the second thing is, as there's so much turmoil, turmoil in the world and so much to pay attention to legitimately, not just distractions, but things that get your attention, I've become recommitted to fixing what's in my hula hoop. So if there is racism and inequality out there, I got it sorted out in my own hula hoop. What are we doing as a company to make sure we're being equitable? Or like we like to say, equally unfair to everybody because life is not <laughs> fair. But could we make our place an opportunity, a way to create a career, not just a job? What are we doing to ensure that? So that's really obsessing me, like taking responsibility yeah. for what's in my hula hoop has, has become a focus for me. And moving faster. Yeah, and moving faster. Just like if that's what you want, go get it. That Ariana Grande, Grande song, I want it, I got it, I bought it, I want it, I bought it, I got it. I love that. We're going to turn However this into Contractor Momentum Karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> I should get the words right. But yeah. That idea, if that's what you want, go get it. Like yeah. just now, you know, without fuss, without drama, just move in the direction of what you want. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. And I have to say, 
you know, even at my age here, I, I'm obviously noticeably on the younger side. I'm at 30. You've got a couple <laughs> years on me, but it's like, damn, life just keeps moving so much faster. And I'm at this point where I almost just kind of resist new technology. When somebody wants me to download an app, I'm like, nope, you know, learn this. Nope. <laughs> I know what I know and I know how to do it very good. And I, I like sticking to that. And you oh, adopted that sounds this. so funny coming out of your mouth. That sounds like <laughs> an old man talking. <laughs> Don't say that. I, Don't say I that. I'll tell you what, though. I am prejudiced towards youth for sure because I do hear a lot of people who are older tell you how hard things are, yeah. how much you have to struggle and all that. And I have not found any of this to be a struggle. May you hear that from an old woman. None of it's a struggle. All of it's a privilege. Like this great industry that we're in, the adventures we get. I am a privileged person and it's never lost on me. And you don't have to struggle. What do they say? Struggle's optional. It is. Yeah. It is. So, it's it's all what you make it. So what you know, what do you got going on at Zoom Drain that you are implementing quickly? Come on, tell us some of these things that you're implementing fast. Well, I mean, going back to those basics, like what I hear you saying is like, give me the few things that matter. And so and I've seen this in your work, so I want to compliment you. Like what we will do, we make a list. We make a list of all the things that you want to do at your company, all the things you want to do. And then you've got a triage. We call it the top five. So you're going to pick top five projects that you're going to work on. You're going to use steps of delegation. You're going to use meetings and you're going to mock up your calendar because you only have so much time. Of course. And so those patterns, I wish I'd learned them in sixth grade. I yeah. spent years and years because I'm a highly distractible person. You can already tell. Absolutely. I'm easily distracted. And, and so those tools that I learned once upon a time from Stephen Covey and then the Franklin Planner and then I had a day planner, you know, those I got in Zig Ziglar has his planner. That's awesome. And now I use electronic apps because that way I can share my list with my team. We've talked about this before. I don't actually do anything. <laughs> I don't actually do anything. And that is a great way for an executive to live, to understand that yeah. my job is to, with my partner, set the vision and it's arbitrary. This is where we're going. And then line up a few projects with the help of our team members. What are some things that are going to move us in that direction? And you have meetings, you hold, the, uh, hold meetings and get stuff done. It's not that hard. So let's talk about it. What does the kind of planning phase look like in coming up with these goals and the triage? Is this something you're working with your partners on? Because for those of you listeners out there, Ellen has a you know a, ma a major role at Zoom Drain as a partner, shareholder, and executive. But there's other executives and partners involved, and there's franchisees involved. You know, walk me through the planning phase at a high level. How are you guys, you know, kind of figuring out what you all are working on and Who's working Your on life what? as an executive is a life of meetings and meetings yeah. have a bad reputation, but meetings when they're effective are your opportunity to communicate, to agree upon the direction and then the action, and then to hold someone accountable for getting it done. So what you don't want to have by the next meeting is what you said you were going to do not done. Yes. Right. And that accountability happens. There's one of my favorite business philosophers is Paul Kelly of Parker and Sons. And he says, you can get anything done if you meet about it often enough. And I thought that is brutal because if you're meeting and nothing's getting, getting done, done, isn't that irritating? We're going to meet every day yeah. until something gets done here. Stuff is going to happen. Yeah. Right. So that idea, like meetings are essential to your life as an executive. My life is just a life of meetings. And so my calendar is everything. And if I use these disciplines, then we're going to stay on the same track. But here's the thing to know as an executive and for anyone out there who's listening in there thinking my business needs a reboot. How do I get some energy back? A business planning retreat is a good idea. 
So you, and if there's family members or if there's some executives or key employees, or maybe it's you and one other person, you just, you know, from Friday afternoon to Sunday, you could have a retreat. I wrote this book called The Weekend Biz Plan in response to, I don't know what to do with my business. I'm not making any money. I've been doing it for 20 years. What do I do? And I'm like, I'm not going to write back in an email. I could write a little mini book and I could share it. Yeah. So I do. And this, the basic idea is what if you spent some time reflecting on these big questions? Reflect on the journalistic questions. What do we want to do? Why are we doing this? That is Simon Sinek calls it start with why. Like, what's the point of picking that, that spot on the horizon? And who's on the team? For whom are we going to work? How much money do we want? How are we going to get it done is really the last question. And that how is what leads you to that list of, of projects. By when? You set arbitrary dates. Everything in a business plan is arbitrary. You infuse it with meaning, right? And then you sell it to your team members. This is where I'm going. This is why I'm going there, is what do you want? And Zig Ziglar says you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. So you say to your one employee, what do you want? And he says, I really want to own my own home. I want to send my kids to this school. I want a rifle, whatever it is. Well, you could get that on the path with me. At yep. least for a while, do you want to travel this path together? Could I help you make your dreams come true with this particular path? And that's part of how you infuse the meaning. I mean, we do dream cleaning. At the face of it, it's not the most glamorous work, but it's honorable, essential, dangerous, amazing work that the men and women on my team engage in. But even better is how we do it and why we do it, right? So you're infusing that meaning to your work. And if, if that's the job of an executive, then so be it. Right. And so that's what I do. And that's what I'm learning is let's move faster and let's, let's worry about us, man. Let's just get us lined up so that we can move in the direction what we want. Be, be that change, you know, as who is it? Pearl Buckley? I don't know who said, be the change you wish to see in the world. I think it was Gandhi. I, I don't know who, who said that quote, but yeah. I'm very familiar with it. I'm going to say Gandhi, and Gandhi. you're going to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so you're being the change. You're making the change. I want to know more about how you know the executive team kind of works with this because you know you're talking about doing a lot of meetings here. You guys is the Zoom Drain team making meeting having meetings once a week every yeah. other day. Well, monthly? the executive team the executive team meets twice a week. Okay. We meet on Monday and meet on Friday. And on Friday, we really clarify the messaging for the huddle. And then the huddle is when we meet with the whole empire. So everybody on the team meets for an hour on a, a Google meet. Yeah. And we have a, a strict agenda. I need the agenda because I would be all over the map and it's got to be under an hour meeting start and stop on time. And they get through what you intend to, to do. We have some executive messaging. Here's what we want to share with you this week, announcements. And then each franchisee has to list stats. And we were talking about this before we started. We are very stats oriented and we also only focus on five KPIs. So you hold on, you're, you're meeting with the franchisees as well. Weekly. Yeah. So the, okay. the executives meet twice a week. Yeah. The Friday meeting is right before the huddle and that's all the franchisees as well. But even as we're talking, so then on Monday we get our game plan together and we look at, we use Trello. That's where our lists are. You could use Basecamp or Asana. The reason why I like an electronic list app is because Which electronic I, list app do you use? Trello. We use Trello. Oh, so Trello. Okay. 
the Trello. It's a freebie app and, and it's not, it's like Coke or Pepsi. Any of them are fine. But if you have everything you need to do, see, I also have a notebook. Okay. But on the notebook, that's all me. Yep. So unless that goes somewhere else, I'm responsible for this. Yeah. Who's going to see your notebook? You. So, so write stuff that's down. My that's my list on the, on the you iPhone notes app. I need to do better than that. No, no, you can do that too. Well, it's a good start. I can't share it with anyone. Yeah. Okay. But if you worked with me and I was telling you something that needs to be done and you weren't writing it down, I stopped talking. Yeah. I don't talk. I mean, like who's going to remember? So either you write it here or here is fine. Yep. Ultimately, that either is your to-do or it has to go on electronic board for someone to get assigned and for you to ride herd on it. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, Absolutely. And then we do the same pattern with each of the franchisees. So when I meet with the franchisees every week, we're going to go through that same basic agenda. What are our goals? What do you said you want? What's your mission statement? That's been aligned. And now we look at these are the projects that you're picking. And I can help because I got a lot of experience. I can help you pick the right projects or pick projects that'll move you in that direction. But you're the owner, you're going to make the final call. And then steps of delegation and pushing down the org chart. You know what, Corey, most companies, you know, this already are jammed up at the top. They're yeah. the busy people. You have team members who are put me in coach, ready to go, time on their hands. That phone doesn't ring all the time. There's downtime all day long in these fits and starts. The team will help. The team will fix everything if you just let them play. 110% true. Some of you guys out there listening might know that I've been shopping businesses in the HVAC and plumbing space. And I'm working with a couple close partners on that that I may or may not partner with and do a deal with. And some of them have a lot of business experience and have, you know, operated businesses larger than I have. And one of the things that we kind of are looking for, and we see this a lot of these businesses that have 20 employees and the owner nearly does everything himself. And we look at it and, you know, we're like, you know, this is a, an opportunity for us because this, you know, fundamentally is a business that can't operate without the owner, but there's so many great people behind this business that with proper delegation and proper management, could make this business a hands-off, truly investment grade, should I say, business. And you know, there's, there's a lot of people that I don't want to say are stuck in their own ways, but just really can't grasp the concept of letting other people do things. And there will be mistakes. There will be some unhappy customers in the process, but you know, you're going to have to fix them and implement processes to do that. But until you kind of take that first step backwards out of the picture, you're never going to get anywhere. It's so, it's so interesting. And as you say this too, with some of my franchisees are just getting started and they are want to hire, hire, hire. And I'm like, dude, you can't afford it. It's got to be all you. But the downside of that is as soon as you can afford it, you've got to start you've pushing to break down away the from it. chart. So it's, it's tricky in that the skills that serve you at the very first moment of your business are the ones you have to shed if you want to grow and scale it. Absolutely. And it's just the way it is. So like, it's, that's why I love business. Somebody, oh, Allie Brown said that a business of your own is the greatest self-help class you'll ever take, self-development course you'll ever take. Because it's one big school of hard knocks. Yeah. And you know, there's, well, that worked then. It doesn't work now. And just the, it's like golf, man. Uh, you know, if I were a golfer, <laughs> I suspect it's like this, but you never, you, it's an, an inexhaustible course. Yeah. So, so let's talk about it. What are some of the struggles that you've seen from your franchisees in growing and how have you worked with them? You know, anything that stands out over the last year, two years, or hell, your whole business career, which is quite long and very successful. 
you know, what are some of the goals that you've seen them set and try to achieve and fail at it? And, you know, you kind of bring some value to the table and work through it and get them to that destination, which also ultimately sets them on another path to the next goal. With our team members, we look for willing and capable. And then our job is that we're going to help them with the training and the manuals and the systems. That's the stuff that takes so much time. And that's why, like, I think a franchise opportunity, if you want to grow a business fast, then you've got the manuals are written already and ours are the best in the biz. So it took us about a hundred cumulative years to build those manuals. You don't have to do that. You can move faster. However, when you buy it, you should try it. Like, don't fight every step of the way. And that's tricky because someone who is entrepreneurial enough to, you know, to take the financial risk, to set the vision, even as they buy a franchise, they may find something wrong with it and may want to tweak it. And my job is how do I keep them focused enough that that is not worth fighting today? Like, let's stay on the path of how are you going to make more money? Like the things that we focus on every day, the things that make it to our top projects list and what I try to, I can't make anybody do anything. So even as a, even if I were their employer, which I'm not, I am their business partner. And so I'm trying to present information in such a way that they will pick it up and run with it. And that I'm not so forceful that they go, you know, screw you, I'm going to do it my own way. You know, so finding balance is tricky. And sometimes it's just like, just try it this way first. And then, then you can tweak it. And what tools that I picked up, you asked this earlier, like what's changed so much. Here's another like really great leadership tool is I like personality mapping tools. One, the most popular one is disc. I work with Howard Partridge outside of the zoom empire. I work with Howard Partridge. Do you know him? The, no, I'm not familiar with Howard Partridge. He's awesome. And he's got a really great community. And he's taught me a lot about disc. At Zoom, we use flag pages, which is Coke or Pepsi. They're very similar tools. What they do is allow someone to tell you what motivates them. Like I can't motivate anybody. However, I could find out what motivates them and then be able to leverage that to create a uh-huh. better, better relationship. So like there are people like me who are showboats, like to be out on, in front, like to speak, very sociable, relationships oriented. And then there's other people like my partner, Jim, who likes to read legal contracts. I'd rather blow my brains out. <laughs> and he's very, he's an introvert. What motivates those two types of people? I mean, like, how do you break it down? I mean, there's a lot of things that can motivate people. Yeah. How do you know where to go and how to align people with the motivation? Or how do you find the motivation that aligns with them? Those tools are helpful, Corey, because if someone tells you I'm task oriented, I'm okay not being around people all the time. I'm more introverted than extroverted. I'm more relationships oriented or task oriented. Those are like some basic dynamics. If someone tells you those things and you listen and honor and respect that with your communication, like today, one of my franchisees, there's an amount of sales that the owner must do to create relationships in their community. In any business. So, so, so hold on, you, you said a lot there. Okay. Let, let's clarify it. There's, <laughs> there's a certain amount of sales that somebody has to do to make community relationships. Right. There's just that conversation. They have to reach out, get on the phone, okay. and call somebody. So that's a sales function, a marketing yep. function to get yourself Relationship known marketing. Yeah. yeah. And that's everything we do is about relationships, right? So now for someone who's really shy, who's introverted, who really doesn't, would rather do the numbers, they have to stretch. 
And I had a conversation like that today. And I said, I get that that's not where you're most comfortable and understand that you're going to be required to do it well enough that when you hire someone to do it, like you were saying earlier, you're not going to be bamboozled. You understand the concepts, you know what good work looks like, you know what, if they're making enough calls, you know, that you've got enough of a handle on it, then you can then let it go. So it goes back to at the beginning, you do have to do stuff yourself. And then as you grow, you do have to delegate and trust that someone can do it even better than you. But knowing their personality preferences, you don't want to use this to profile people. That's not helpful. We want to use it to allow them to tell you what's important to them so we can honor and respect it. That's how these personality mappings can be very powerful leadership tools. So for the business owner there, the franchisee that needed to do, you know, some more community outreach and relationship marketing. What was his ultimate? And he, you said he was more introverted. He, he liked reading. Well, I don't know if it was him that liked reading legal documents, but he, you know, would, would more kind They're of rather- two different people I'm talking about, but they both have similar personality. So, okay. So, so let, let's speak specifically about that franchisee there that, okay. you know, needs to do some more community outreach. You know, what kind of personality did he have and what is his ultimate motivator? Some people are very mo- motivated by things getting checked off lists, the details getting done really nicely. The basic quadrants of these tools are going to be relationships versus tasks one or the other. Now you're interested in both, but pick one or the other. Would you rather get your yard done or would you rather talk to your neighbor while you're pretending to garden? (laughs) See where I'm going? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then the other one would be introverted versus extroverted. So task versus relationships and I'm missing something. Task versus relationships and, oh, I don't know. Now I'm blanking and there are other people. You know what? This is where I'd say go to phenomenalproducts.com and find the disc information. So there's going to be different, like for instance, if, well, let me use the one we use. I'm trying to do disc and we don't do it. In fun country, you're either from fun country, control country, perfect country, or peace country as your home country. Now, everybody has all of that within them, but I live in fun country. It is very motivating to me. If I were to say to my partner, Jim, let's do this. It's going to be fun. Jim doesn't have any fun country interest. He's from control country and perfect country. So when I say fun, are you from those? those (laughs) Native. Okay. So if I say this is going to be fun, that may be abhorrent to you. Yeah. All right. So that's what I learned by using these tools is basically to get myself back on solid ground here is that people are weird and wonderful and different. And that is the diversity we're looking for in the workplace and in our lives is to celebrate diversity of all kinds, including personality differences. So sometimes it makes sense to put someone like me on a podcast, like Jim would say, you do it. I don't want to do it. And every now and then I'll say, no, this isn't going to make you comfortable. I think as the face of the company, you need to stretch a little bit and it's your time turn to do a podcast. So understanding that it's not his favorite thing, I may still encourage him to stretch because as an executive or as the leader of the business, there may be times where you have to develop some new skills, even if it's not your favorite or your home country. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's how you get people to do what, you, what you're hoping is that you give them enough reason why. And that's, we have our mission. We're going to the top of the hill. And here are some things we have to do. Somebody has to do this piece. You have to do this piece if we're going to get there, even though it's a stretch for you. Right? Yes. And then that goes on the list and then lather, rinse, repeat. You have to align whatever you're doing with how it's also 
going to benefit them. Yes. Yeah. So for example, let's just say you're going, you've been an hourly wage payer as an employer, you're going to performance driven compensation. A lot of employees that have gotten comfortable on the hourly are going to kind of you know, bulk at that. They're going to be like, oh, we, you know, we don't want to go with that. But when you do that, number one, you have to be generous with your performance-driven compensation. You can't be a stinch with it. I see a lot of business owners that try to do that. They're like, oh, we're going to performance-driven compensation. We're going to, you know, really cut it. No, you have to be generous with it, but you have to show them and say, hey, look, you know, you're making 200 bucks a day for an eight-hour shift right now, you know, with performance-driven plan that we've got going on. And, you know, you ultimately want to buy a house, right? Or you want to send your kids to a private school or something. With our new performance-driven pay plan, you can make 250 bucks and work a six-hour day, right? So now it's not just a, hey, you know, the company's shifting to performance-driven pay and that's the way it is, but here's how it's going to impact you, you know, as long as you're on board with it. And I hope that was a, I think that was a decent example. I don't think that was maybe the best example, but I think that it was kind an of rolls it off. example yeah. because just look at how you could unwind this. And I think we talked about this too in our last conversation Yeah, is that wouldn't it be a good idea to ask people what they're interested in? Would you rather work an eight hour day and find out what's good enough for a goal? Or would you rather work 12 hours and maximize your power? And someone may say, well, for right now in my life, I'd rather work. I don't have a family life right now. I'm, I'm in, I'm, I want to buy a boat. This is it. And someone else might go, you know, my kid's in Little League. I really am good. It's going to be a stretch for me to work overtime. What is good enough for you people? And having some options there, at least understanding what, they're, what they want is a really great way to get buy-in on this, on whatever so you create. how do as a you game. figure out what somebody wants? Now, keep in mind, Ellen, you're an amazing people person. On the flip side, I am more of a strategist and analyst, right? And I, I mm -hmm. you know, communicate well with people at an executive level. You know, let's talk about numbers and let's talk about strategy. But, you know, there can be, and there has been in my business, because I grew it, you know, to nearly 60 employees, a disconnect between myself and the people that are actually out there in operations doing work, how do you figure out what the people that are working for you, what their goals are, and you know, look at that on a personal level? Like, what's a question to ask? Is there a tool that somebody can use? You know, I say you spend some time together, and this is why I love ride-alongs and side-by-sides, because your team will fix everything. They know what's wrong. If you just ask them really open-ended questions like, what do you love about working here? What do you hate about working here? What should we, if I'm the cheese, because I, again, I don't do anything, but I can affect change. So knowing that I'm someone who could make some things happen, what should I know? What could I put on our list? What's the most important thing that we could do now that would fix a problem that's driving you absolutely crazy? You know, what wakes you up at night? What do you think we should do more of? Like you start conversations and you have to be authentic and genuine as you have these conversations. You have to be vulnerable with them or they're not going to open up. And for some guys, it may take a minute. But the ride along is such a great time. That windshield time is so good. Yeah. And then a side by side where you pull your chair up to someone in the office and they may start, you know, pooping their pants. Like what's the boss in <laughs> here? for, but just say, I, you know, it seems like we're always so busy. I want to make sure we're busy on stuff that someone's looking at. You know, let's make sure I can change that. If you're doing stuff that's a waste of time, let's find out. If you're doing stuff that is really cool, let me find out and let's do more of that throughout the organization. So it's really, you got it. It's like having kids. You have kids. 
No. Okay. No. He's like, all right. Well, there's I'm not expression. ready for that yet. No. And, and for those, you know, if there's a listener who has kids, there's this idea of spending quality time with your kids. Well, quality comes from quantity. You have to spend enough time to get those quality moments. They don't just happen. And the same with your team, those moments where you, you know, get real vulnerable is a buzzword these days. I love the word, you know, where you just get real. People want to be spoken real to. Just talk real to your team. Let them know when you're making stuff up. This budget, I made it up. That's why I need you guys to keep score because then I can go back to my budget and go, oh, I was way off. You know, when I come up with a goal, where does that goal come? It comes from the budget and the budget is all made up. So I need to get your feedback for me to get a little more real here because they suspect that. Tell them the truth. You know, I'm an open book management girl. I believe in transparency. I'm a rigorously honest person, which means even when I, when I leave something out, I try and go back and clean it up. It's a verb to me to be authentic that way. And I fail every day at it, but I know that it will land if I'm just doing my best to be real. Absolutely. I 110% agree with you. All good stuff Are we there. on topic at all today? <laughs> Did we have a topic planned? I forget. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's easy for me to get distracted, but I love philosophizing about business because to me, they're all life lessons. It's like growing a garden. There's all life lessons learned in the business, in, in the garden, and there's all life lessons are available in, the, in a business. You know, yeah. we can be kind to each other and we can try stuff and see how it works and do more of what works and less of what may work now and it doesn't work later. All yep. of it is such an adventure. It's one big learning adventure. It's fun. Gosh, mm -hmm. I'll kind of jump off on an anecdote here and then we really okay. got to wind things down. Okay, okay, you know, okay. There was, a, there was actually a computer <laughs> game I used to play way back when I was a kid, right? Like 12, 14 years old. It was called Roller Coaster Tycoon. The premise behind it was you build an amusement park and you make that amusement park a business. My parents thought I was just like building roller coasters or something and they didn't realize I was making money with my little amusement parks. I was running a business. And I say, you know, what I do today is the same thing I did when I was a kid. I run a business except with real money and real people at this point. So aside from that anecdote, though, let's kind of go back to goals and planning. We got to wind things down here. So Ellen, you know, let's just go through the real quick. Somebody that wants to make better goals and accomplish them, you know, what can they do? What should they be doing? What steps should they be taking? You know, I want your insight on that. And then after that, we'll take a couple of questions because we've got a couple of questions on the Facebook live stream and we're going to call it a wrap on this episode. So go, Ellen, what's the plan for accomplishing goals here for somebody that sets a lot of goals and doesn't get them done? Okay, I'm a big fan of a plan. And the plan is anything. So it's usually called a business plan when you're when you're in this realm. And a business plan is anything that helps you gain clarity about what, what you want and then settle on a course of action that'll head you in the in, in that general direction. Note, intention trumps action all day long. All day long. I mean, in this culture it's all about working hard, but if you know what you want, you can work a lot less and get more done because you know what to say no to. So intention trumps action. So getting clear on what you want and you're going to make it up. So you're going to set some goals and you're going to come up with a purpose. Like at Zoom Drain, our, our mission is to demonstrate the best that business can be. Best doesn't mean perfect. It means better than anybody else. Profitably, operationally, opportunity, all those things are better than anybody else. So that's our, that's why we do what we do. Now we come up with some goals and they're arbitrary. Every franchisee, we want them to hit a million within a year. 
Some of them make it, some of them don't, but that's the goal because that's when it starts to get a little more fun. This is not a one man in the truck outfit. This is Absolutely. an empire we're building. And what their metrics are as far as labor is a percentage of sales, gross profit, net profit, cash flow. Those are our few numbers. And we, we build that out, come up with a selling price that's going to make that work. And then we start with projects put them on the Trello board, pick no more than five at a time. And it's a lather, rinse, repeat. So those basics. So, you know, that idea of what do you want and why that's your goals and your purpose. And then how are those projects? The mundane work of leadership is just getting stuff done. So do we hate the uniforms? All right, put it on the list. And we need, uh, we need a sales process. I bet we could buy one or create one. And we need to figure out how to restock those trucks. And boom, you're going to have a list of 150 things. And just pick a few and get your team in on the game. Go through the steps of delegation, which are essentially, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? By when? How much time, energy, and money can you spend on it? How are you going to do it? You decide. And let's pick three of those items and have them done by next meeting. I like it. Just three and have them done. So you you know, you can't work on everything and have a deadline. My buddy, Al Levy taught me so much about this, the seven power contractor. I just want to give him a shout out. I've had nothing but mentors my whole life. So that might be one more tip. Read biographies, listen to smart people, call them. Thanks to you. I mean, this is, this is how you get good. You listen to people and you pull it through your filter and you reject that, which is not of service to you. And then you refine it and then take that piece that's going to be of service. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> we'll, we'll, have to have you. You back. we'll have you back for another podcast sooner than in a year oh, and a half. I can't wait to talk to you though. Next time I talk to you, you're going to have 150 trucks and three or four businesses going. <laughs> I see big things for you. It'll happen. Ellen, good stuff there. Before we wind it down, we got one question on the Facebook stream that I think is worth talking about. Louis Montana asks, how much do you recommend for a trades business to keep for payroll slash working capital? Well, you were talking about that's one of your metrics too. Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. So this is a number. I like to keep a two to one ratio on cash flow. So two times the amount of cash slash accounts receivable that's really collectible, twice as much in cash as I have in bills to pay over the next 30 days is a goal. Now, sometimes I don't make it. If you have more than that, I suggest you take some money out of the company and sock it away or invest it or do some buy a building or something with it. Because if you have too much cash, you can be wasteful. Yes, absolutely. All right. And that doesn't happen very often. It's a good problem. However, you know, that two to one ratio is a, is good, is, is enough that if you have a rough month, you're going to be able to survive. So it. when you say bills to pay, are you talking, you know, bills to vendors? Are you including payroll in that? That would be payroll, AP, bills to vendors, your credit card, your sales tax, you know, that whole nut right there. Probably so excluding materials. Would you, would you include materials in that or not? We can, we count it all. That would be an AP. Okay. So, so whatever I've got in cash, look, I'm getting stuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably noisy. Whatever I've got in bills to pay, I want to have. So what, basically two months of expenses is what you'd want to keep and keep your, yes. keep your although, enough to make your payroll. Although like when the pandemic hit, the people who had a little bit more did better. Yeah. They did better. So you might expand that and that would be a goal. Like if you got hit, if you got knocked out during the pandemic, you might say, I'm aiming for three to one. Or I might put that money aside in my working capital. What did you call it? Working cash? I call it, 
I have a word for this, which I should know. Oh, let me pull up my, I have a framework for this. Let me pull yes, up my own framework excellent. here. What was the I name? What, what did I call this metric? I should I know this. I call it working cash. cash. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I seen during the, you know, in the pandemic rolled on, I think that there were a lot of people and it, thankfully, you know, the, the US government stepped in and kind of handed out some money here, but, and things rebounded for trades businesses pretty quickly. But you know, a lot of people when the tide went out were left with their pants around their feet. And I think it was very clear that a lot of them didn't even have enough for one month expenses. Yeah. And that's when things get scary. But when you've got two months or three months, now you're not operating out of a position of fear. And now yes. you can go back, you can contact your, you know, the your representative at the radio or billboard advertising company and be like, look, we want to cancel. And they're going to be like, well, no, yeah, we don't want you to cancel, right? And now you can say, okay, well, we'll stay on, but we want to double our exposure for the next year, right? You've got leverage and you're not operating out of a position of fear. And, you know, that resonates through your whole business when you've got that, you know, lined up. And, uh, you know, I've always been a very frugal person and, you know, kept a very tight watch on the cash and spent less money than I make, you know, so when we're rolling into a pandemic, it, you know, really didn't affect me. But, I, I, I like your rule underline of thumb. that though. I love that because if you operate from a place of fear, you can't breathe, you can't be creative. Your your vision gets really, you know, like once you you can see so much more opportunity. And that that billboard thing, we'll we won't take the cash from you. You keep the cash, but other people are canceling their billboards. Let's put twice as many. That's a really good tip. That's a win win. Yeah. They yeah. don't want an empty billboard. And it seemed like everybody, you know, That's one, you know, in middle of March, end of March, when this thing really rolled on, it seems like everybody went in two camps and 75% of the people went into panic mode and they're like, we're canceling all marketing. We're turning this off. You know, we're laying everybody off and, you know, then we're going to stagger the projects out. And then there were, you know, the other people that said, all right, what can we take advantage of here and what can we renegotiate? And if you've got, you know, your rule of thumb there, that two to one ratio, you know, enough, enough money on hand to keep you know, to keep everyone, to keep all the bills paid for two months, you're in a good spot. So, Hey, here's one thought on that. If you don't know, that's on your list. I call this getting to a known financial position. If even that question just hit you like, I don't even know. Yeah. That's a project to make sure you can run a balance sheet and a profit and loss once a week, put it on the list, make it a top project and do whatever it takes to, to make that so, so that you're not in a position of fear. Love it. Listeners, let me ask you a question. Are your numbers where they need to be? For the hours you work and the headache you have, are you making a good margin after paying yourself a salary? Most home service contractors are not. And on top of it all, they don't even have an asset because they don't have a scalable business. If you're ready to get into the driver's seat, transform your business into a scalable asset, you need to check out the Scalable Method Framework. It's a step-by-step -step process specifically for residential contractors with 5 to 30 employees. Look for a link to it somewhere around the podcast player. If you can't find it, shoot me a message on Facebook or drop a post in the Contractor Momentum Lounge. This isn't limited to small operations. I've seen businesses with 30 employees around the eight-figure mark annually in revenue that are not scalable. This is an approach that big money investors use when they scoop up home service businesses at low prices because they aren't scalable. Get the Scalable Method Framework now. Learn the process. Now let's get back to it with Ellen. Put it on the list, make it a top project and do whatever it takes to, to make that so, so that you're not in a position of fear. Love it. We're running Absolutely. out of time. We're running out of time. Ellen, it was awesome to have you back on the Contractor Yay. Momentum podcast. You know, thank you for joining us here today. It's always great. Certainly going to have you back on this podcast in the yeah. future.
That's a wrap on this episode of the Contractor Momentum Podcast. If you got something helpful or useful out of this podcast episode, do me a favor here. Pick up your phone, open up the podcast app, whichever one you use, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and give us a review. I love hearing your feedback. And of course, if you have any questions for my guest or myself, head on over to the Contractor Momentum Lounge Facebook group and drop a new post.